Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast with the longest winning streak in podcast history. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page, only from strawman.com. He is strawman.com, as well as being the founder, managing director, and the chief cook and bottle washer. Andrew, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. How are things? I, yeah, very good this week. If you, are, if you have a mortgage, things are very good. If you have a margin loan, things are very good. If you have a credit card, well, that doesn't matter because credit card interest rates are always high, but uh, a little glimmer of, I don't know what to call it, Maybe is it is it hope? Is it good news? Is it just the absence Relief. of bad news? Relief, Relief maybe. is probably the right word. I think actually, yeah. If you're a mortgage holder, mortgage payer, um, what is the official? What is the right term for that? Uh, you, do, do you hold the, the bank holds the mortgage, right? Mm. Like, it's one of those. Things, what do you what do you describe someone who is a? Are this a mortgage? Uh, what's the what's the right term? Uh, in, indebted servitude. Um, <laughs> there's a few terms you could use. Uh, be nice. Be nice. Um, yeah, no, it's you know some someone uh, someone who is uh, is is happy to use extreme <laughs> leverage. I don't know. You could put it in. A I'm sorry. Of I'm sorry, listeners. I didn't. I shouldn't have. I just. I was. It was a genuine question. I didn't see it coming. It was. It was silly of me. Uh, yeah. Mate, before before we get going though, I, I do wonder what strawman.com is. We're an online private investment club. Oh, it's good to know. Good to know. I'll write there that down. Go. That way, I won't forget. Uh, mate, uh, big week. <laughs> On the, on the macro front, lots going on. Let's kick off with rates because it is a relief for many, many people. Um, not so, oh, by the way, uh, this wasn't on our agenda, but um, have you seen just the rental report out from Domain? Was that on Thursday morning? Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. What happened? You won't be, you won't be surprised by the <laughs> yeah, rents, yeah, of me, course. Me... The rents are through the roof. Again, no no surprise, right? Because that's just what's mm. going on. Um, but yeah, so house prices obviously coming down a little bit. Oh, house prices also went up this week. So CoreLogic report on Monday, house prices up. We saw uh, rents up as well, despite the fact... Well, no, sorry. House prices up despite the fact interest rates keep going up. Rents up because rents keep going up. Let me pull the numbers here. Um, this is a year-on-year growth in Sydney, 10%. Melbourne, 11.1%. Brisbane, 12 Adelaide, 13 Perth, 14.6%. The combined capital's increase in rent is now 13% year-on-year and 7.5% in the regions. It's a, uh, again, yeah, it no right. surprise, right? We all kind of know it, but... Um, it is the other thing that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm. Yes. Yep. Um, rents, like, if you take a broader view of it, rents mm. have not been increasing at nearly the same pace as property prices. Yeah. So there is potentially some catching up to do. I mean, that's that says in, in owners, investors have just been happy to take um, right. lower prospective yields right. sort of over time. So it's sort of, it's it's been driven by that. I think... I think my view on it tends to be is that there's a lot of debate in the media as to whether they should be able mm-hmm. to put them up and how much and should <laughs> yeah. rents be capped and the rest of it. I'm not, I'm not actually that. I, I'm, I get the intent, but I don't know if that is the mm-hmm. solution. Any mm-hmm. centrally planned kind of <laughs> economic things don't always tend to have unintended consequences <laughs> um, yes. uh, and the rest of it. But I do, I do think that there is a difference in terms of how much you can increase rents mm. versus how much property prices can increase. The, the, the oh, you former, reckon? Yeah. Tell me the why. former depends on actual 
cash flows, earnings, disposable household income, that that kind of thing. Right. And you know, we can all hope to get pay rises and generally, on average, do over long periods of time. Mm. Um, but houses are different. Houses are driven more by the availability of credit. Yeah. And I would argue very strongly, I think the data supports this, that when there's a lot of uh, cheaper money and easier mm. access to money, mm. that's, the, that's, the, that's the predominant driver of, of property prices. So again, you know, our wages haven't gone up. You know, they're not going up to the same extent as prices. Mm. What's, what fills the gap? Extra debt fills the gap. Yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of fine. So I feel as though you... Let's say you're looking at your property and going, listen, it's not, it's not um, viable at this stage. I have to increase the rent. And you do it and you do it and you do it. You will get to a point where it's just sort of like, this, no one's going to take it. Not that there's not demand there. Yes, there's always demand here. But on aggregate, there are just ac- actual and very real affordability limits that you will hit. I think I spoke to it on the podcast when we were looking recently for a house. You'd sort of, there'd be a certain threshold below which there'd be 30 people out the door of every house we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. And then above that, nothing, crickets. Now, mm. we know that there was heaps of people looking for houses in our area. We saw the same faces every weekend. <laughs> and we oh, sort of eyed each other off yeah. and gave each other dirty looks, you know. Yeah. Um, but, at, but above that threshold, zero. Now, why, why is that? I just, it's not as though, it just, you just can't do it, right? And, and so I feel as though, that, that's not saying, we've got to be careful here. I'm not saying they can't go up further. I think they probably will. But I, I do think you 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 have more very real limitations mm. that you don't have in an easier that you don't have in terms of outright buying when there is a uh, an easier credit environment. Does that make sense? It does. I'm not sure. I come from the same place. Maybe we end up in the same place. Um, I'm not sure. I, I agree with you on the on the margins where if credit literally isn't available. Um, but I don't know we have that circumstance. I think anyone who has the income can buy a house today. I don't think there's a rationing of credit by the banks, at least as far as I'm aware. Um, if it, if there was to be a meaningful increase or decrease, I suppose that makes sense. Talk about the cost of money, I completely agree with you. I've said for a million years, affordability is a measure of repayments versus incomes, not prices mm-hmm. versus incomes. I know we disagree slightly there as well. Um, but I, I agree with that. I think, I, I guess I'm just thinking though that absent the extremes of either of those two scenarios, it simply comes down to, in both cases, how much can people afford? You about the renters, you know, can they afford to pay the mm. prices that are being charged? No, the same will be true at some level of house prices as a function of income or you know affordability as a function of income. I'm not, mm. I'm not so sure. I mean, they'll move, they'll move differently at different times. As you say, there's a catch up on rents now, but I, I kind of over time, I would expect that both will increase at the same rate um, with the with with a more variable increase on prices because interest rates go up and down. And so, you know, the, the, you can't afford to buy the million dollar house when rates double. You can afford to buy a million and a half dollar house when the, when the rates fall. But over, over the long term, it, you know, if, unless the average rate changes, I would expect they would increase roughly at the same pace, which is that of wages once, once you have, have an equilibrium point. Is that not, mm. is that not your, your thought? Yeah, that, I guess you, it's a question of timeframes. I you know, yeah. So maybe if yes. you look, you look over a 10, 15 year arc, yes. that's so true, that's what but, that's what but man, that's going to that's gonna be a rough 10 to 15 year period potentially. So here's some maths for you, um, which I spoke to recently. So let's say that you went to the bank and they said you wanted to borrow um, some money and they're going to assess you at, uh, with the, it, they're looking <laughs> at a, um, a 2% mortgage rate. Mm. You can afford 2K a month. That'll let you buy 500K yes. a year. Yes. Right? I just I just plug this into a CBA um, loan calculator. Mm-hmm. Now now 
you can't get those kinds of rates anymore. Now it's much closer to five and a half percent. So if you want to, that same mortgage is now $3,000 a week. It's 50% more or to to come at it from the other direction. If 2000 was what you could afford per month, whereas before you could borrow 500,000, now you can borrow 350,000. So the maths is that there's 30% less that you can afford. Now we've spoken a a lot before that. I think the calculus for for the average person is I want to buy a house, Mm -hmm. very natural uh, inclination, of course. Um, you go to the bank, how much can I borrow? You can borrow this much. Right, that's what I, and you, you, you rock up to the auction. 100%, that's what everyone does. With that in your back pocket. 100%. Now, yep. when you're selling a house, this is, you know, uh, take notes here, get, get, get complicated. You need okay. someone to buy it. Yes, okay. with me? So for every seller, there needs to be a buyer. So yes. again, we're going to hold everything consistent here. Same yeah. level of demand, all of that kind of stuff. It's just that the people on the other half of that transaction mm-hmm. are now rocking up with 30% capacity. Yeah, correct. Correct. So so the other the other lever to pull there is is maybe your your income goes up 30%, mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. up the difference. But it's yeah. just it's it's a deceptive the maths is deceptive because you think, yeah. Five percent, five and a half percent is more than two percent. I get it. I can't afford as much. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But when you actually crunch the numbers, it's like, whoa, that is a lot. So where does that? So uh, assuming that people were bidding up to what they could afford to do, which I think was reasonably what what people were doing, and now all of a sudden, just with forget any future rate rises, just say everything just stays steady from here. Mm -hmm. You know, on average, again, on aggregate, thirty percent less. I can afford. I can afford to spend that. Mm -hmm. That is. Now, to your point, at some point, I suspect interest rates will go down again, right? Yeah. And that, that will work in reverse and, and, and then we'll see the other side of it. In fact, yes. that's been the story of the last 15, 20 years, right? But, but that, yeah, that, that's right. that, that's got to be predicated on your view of what interest rates do. do yes. are, mortg- are you going to be able to get a mortgage at 2% anytime soon? I'd probably say very unlikely in a I world hope of, not of seven percent. Yeah, we're back inflation. in COVID two or something else. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So, so that, I guess I guess that's my my yeah. angle. And now all of the people, so the people who already had a house and already having to service that, and now their expenses have gone up mm. considerably in some cases. Yeah, they go right. Very natural inclination. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass that on. But again, you just hit you just hit that affordability. The 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 renters don't have that dynamic at play. They just have what they're earning, <laughs> minus what their other expenses are. It, it's there's there's no extra pool of cash that you can draw on that's going to be uh, influenced directly by inf- interest rates. I think that's 100 right. I think yeah, we are we are both right on different timeframes. I think you know if you if you were to draw the long term line, I think you'll see rents are a reasonably straight line up and to the right. Uh, I think the the house prices will be a reasonably straight line up and to the right with lots of that kind of sine wave kind of structure to it. So you had with this, this you know, cyclical, so go in the same direction. I would argue over time they end up at, at similar proportions of income because at the end of the day, you know, how much of your income do you want to put in the mortgage? How much of your income do you want to put in the rent? That's probably not going to change meaningfully. Uh, the, the average renter or the average buyer probably are not dissimilar in terms of the their rate of increase of wages, probably different cohorts, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, mate. We're, I think we're both right in, in different timeframes. You've just described the, the short term. I think I've described the long term and we're kind of roughly the same point. But it's, it's in, the, in the long run, we're all dead is the famous quote. Right, well, know? it's good that we did it, right? Because that, that does demonstrate exactly which, which way this is all heading. And it, again, mm. it depends on what question we're trying to answer as to what the future looks like and how it might kind of net out. It just comes, I guess, to a full circle. My point just being is that I, I, I think if you're looking at your situation thinking whatever impact I 
feel through higher um, servicing costs, I will yes. just pass on. Yes. And I don't begrudge you for doing that. I mean, that's yeah. that's. Yeah. I, I would say any owners of capital, it's, you know, it's your capitalistic duty to get is it the best right, return right. you can while right. playing within right. the laws and having some sense of moral decency. <laughs> but, but I just don't think you. I will. I. Yeah. I don't know where that point is. It's just. It's more just a conceptual point. There will be a point at which it's just. I mean, you you can logically map right. it out. Let's let's say we will disagree it to where it is. But is a thousand dollars a week for an average yeah. three bedroom yeah. home in Sydney, or is it two thousand? Is it ten thousand? Is it eight million? At some point, logically, it's just like, like <laughs> you won't want to charge that much rent, but you're not going to find anyone you to do it. Or, it or maybe you do, but the other 10 people with the similar house in the similar area can't. So it's just, it breaks down at, at that mm. point. So I would be, I wouldn't be hanging my hat on, I'll just do that. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> you know? I, um, I, you know what I find fascinating about this, mate, is it, it's, I say fascinating, probably, you know, renters are saying, well, th- thanks for being fascinated by it. I'm paying the bills. But I do, I do find it interesting to think about the dynamics of the rental market as a whole in this context, because you would have assumed that in the past, while landlords might have been buying these things to flip them and make an easy profit, all that kind of stuff, you also wouldn't assume they would choose to leave money on the table for the hell of it. So they might have quibbled about the last $10, but in theory, they would have as a group charged what the market would would have borne. And now they're charging what the market will bear. Except mm-hmm. those are very different numbers. I, I, I just find that fascinating because, to your very point, attempts at increase national was attempts at increase nationally roughly in thirty uh, percent it was in rents year on year. Mm. It, it, the market, in theory, would have been able to bear that some proportion of that twelve months ago and, and wasn't, or prices are too high now. But it's almost we talk about the efficient markets hypothesis regularly about you know the, the prices are all in theory efficient. Rental prices, you would assume, because it's such a big transparent market, should be reasonably efficient, but. If you can if you can jam up rents thirteen percent year on year, mm-hmm. uh, without people learning more, either they're more desperate, and frankly that might be part of the story because we'll talk about supply in a minute. We Governor Lowe himself talked about that, and we'll, we'll get onto that. But the other part is the demand thing. It's just I just find it interesting that a, a market so big and transparent with so many different players and, and reasonably well regulated, not so much in tenants' rights, but you know, like it's not mm-hmm. there's no there's no hidden there's no hidden data here. This is this is you know it's a, a, about as kind of big and transparent as a multiplayer market gets without looking at things like you know, supermarkets and stuff. Um, mm. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fascinated there is that much elasticity in rents. As it either implies that people are prepared to pay more or that they weren't charging enough previously or this is the end of the end of the result. But to, almost to your very point about the wages mm. thing, yeah. we, we would have had this conversation and you would have said, I, I guess 12 months ago, mm. rents can only increase as fast as wages. And I would have said, yes, you're right. Mm. And then 12 months later, we would have been like, whoa, hang on. No, I didn't get a 30% wage, wage rise. You didn't get a, you know, who's, who's getting the money? Yeah. Um, I, just, I just find, I find it fascinating there's that much slack in the system in theory at least 12 months ago. Yeah, I'd probably liken it to the share market where I, my view is, is that it's extremely, extraordinarily efficient just not in very not in short time frames. Yes. <laughs> and and so it's probably I, I think if you sort of draw that line of reasoning out over broader time frames, I mm. think you probably do get more of a match. We've seen a thirteen percent jump year on year, but I'm sure it averages out to something that's more in line yes. with that. Yes, that's up to um, actually. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, and there's also a social aspect to it as well, you know. And and for a long for the longest time, it just wasn't a, a core part of the proposition with mm-hmm. with an investment property. It was all about the capital gain and sort of now affordability on on servicing the, the debt has made has brought that cash flow dynamic into much more stark relief. Mm-hmm. And you've also got the and this is I heard this on the news the other day. So there's plenty of people who are jacking up rent because they they kind of have to. 
but there's plenty of people who own their houses outright who go, oh, I'm going to put the rent because I can't, right? Because the, the totally market is, is yes, doing yes. it. Oh, higher interest, I can right, do that. Right. So there's a, there's a signaling mechanism or a social or a herding mechanism, yes. or I don't know what you yes. call it, where it's sort of like, why did people not do it a year ago? Probably because they didn't, A, it wasn't a huge mm -hmm. part of the focus and B, they didn't feel as though they could. Yeah. And then you see evidence that, oh, it turns out I can so and can, get away with right. it and then I will, you know? <laughs> yes. But again, I just roll it forward. Okay, well, let's do it again. Let's do it 13% the year next year and the mm -hmm. year after that. I mean, the, the jaws widen out between affordability and, and rental costs. It just, again, what 100%. point does the rubber band snap? I don't know, but it yeah. gets tighter and tighter the further they go apart. 100%. I, 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 I'm going to draw it back to low actually because I think part of what you are implying or what I've inferred from what you said, I won't put words in your mouth, uh, is the uh, you know the inefficiency of 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 pricing, but also uh, what we what uh, low has talked about for a long time as inflation expectations. Mm. You know, yep. landlords charge it because they think they can get away with it. Tenants pay it because they figure that's what we have to pay now. When, when you have that ex that that acceptance of inflation. That makes it into large, in a large degree endemic because the demand side of the, or the you know the price side of the supply demand curve should be saying, well, hang on, what do you mean meat's up by fifteen percent? I'll buy less meat then, or you say, oh, I guess that's what it bloody costs. I guess I'll buy it if I've got the money. And so mm. that that the idea of inflation expectations it feels really esoteric and really kind of you know out there. But that very idea on rents, as you say, twelve months ago, landlords thought we can't charge more than that. I'm sure. Now, through a combination of necessity and the other blokes doing it, and tenants mm -hmm. prepared to pay it, and again, there's, there's a, a, a supply issue there. We'll talk about that in a sec. But um, it, just, it is just fascinating to me that that change has happened uh, in, in because the market is prepared to a have a go, b realize you can get away with it, and so it just shifts everything. It's almost like in executive remuneration. We're kind of going yeah. from metaphor to metaphor here, but the idea that you know, once you know that the guy across the road is getting a million dollars, CEO of you know Page Corp. Then I'm like, well, hang on, Andrew's getting a million dollars running page call. I, I want 1.1 million dollars. I'm better than him, and you find out I'm getting 1.1. So you say, I want 1.2. Uh, you know, that's, that's remuneration. Well, we all we all target the mean, which means exactly. everyone below the mean gets right. to the mean, which brings the mean up, and, yeah, right. and so on and so. so what I, Buffett called it ratchet, ratchet, and bingo. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, wait, but and back to back to rents. I mean, or just prices generally in the in the economy. That's why inflation expectations are, are so important. Mate, let's well, let's. Well, can on. I just add on to that? Yeah, like, let, I mean, this is this is what's so diabolical symbolically tough about uh, economics mm. is that it's all it's all interconnected right, <laughs> right. very douglas adams uh -huh. uh, Dirk gently kind of stuff where um you know, rents uh, slash housing costs i think is the second biggest component of the cpi basket right so so what does that say 6.8 percent mm. national inflation come back you a little know. bit from the yep. peak yeah and now we've just had one of the major components going up we've also had which we should probably talk about as well opec and fuel prices going up we've yeah. said fuel is the base input for pretty much everything in our modern mm -hmm. society so so here you have this situation where interest rates are going up because the cba is trying to flight fight inflation yeah. um, those increasing interest rates have increased the high increased the price of housing which in turn is increasing inflation mm. which in turn will make it more likely for the CBA to to increase interest rates so it's very circular and mm. and and very very complex it is it is um, so Phil Lowe talked to the National Press Club on Wednesday we're recording this Thursday morning so it was yesterday our time but it'll be a couple of days ago when this goes to, to air um, I thought mate he was very very clear 
and very frank. Now, I'm not expecting that a lot of our listeners are going to sit through an hour of central bank speak. Um, I actually missed the first half of it. I was, I was doing something else, doing some recording or something else, a video for our members, so I missed it, uh, but jumped on towards the end. He was just very, very good. Um, I was just really, really impressed with the way he outlined the circumstances. Also, the answers he gave to the journos who were... Some cases, Michael Pascoe, I'll give him a wrap, but he was on the Good Oil, by the way, so check that podcast out. He's think. awesome, Michael Pascoe. Um, he's I really uh, like mate, him. So, yeah. uh, a massive, I have been a big fan for years. I used to watch him on Business Sunday, that's how old I am. There was a show called mm. Business Sunday once upon a time, young listeners. Um, and uh, he, he asked a question of Governor Lowe. He, he asked a very thoughtful question. He had three or four different data points in there. And he wasn't trying to trip him up, was the other thing. He was saying, well, so here's this, and here's that, and here's this, so that should mean that. What do you think about this? And it was, you know, other, other people got up and said, oh, what about inflation? Or, you know, what about house prices? Or don't you care about people? And that's all, they're nice sound bites. And, you know, I don't want to bag the journalists who ask those questions. Although, well, actually, I do. No, bag them. Um, they're, they're just lazy journalism. It's just right? ridiculous. Yeah. And ask and ask a thoughtful, you get careful, the, considered right, right. question. Yeah. It's the, it's the old, you know, don't you know how much the, the loaf of bread and the thing of milk is. It was the, kind of the uh, RBA version of that. Don't you care about, yeah. you know, house prices and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, or don't you care about you know, renters and all this stuff? Anyway, Pascoe's yeah. question was excellent. Uh, but, he, he just and he just spoke really well. He, what, was, he, what was his point? What was his question? Uh, well, <laughs> this is a good one actually. So Pasco basically drew a very nice easy line between the fact that population was going to grow faster than economic growth, and so Governor, is that not a t- per capita recession? Is that not what we're going to go into? And and this was interesting too. And I people bag low for this. I I don't. I think there's a a Westminster Convention, and maybe that's old-fashioned, maybe it's not, but I kind of like it. Um, his job is not to make pronouncements that embarrass people, or you know, he's, he's there to say, you know, so you just say, look, I don't choose to use that term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Pascoe at the end uh, tweeted, actually, follow him, by the way, on Twitter if you do, uh, basically tweeted and said, so, yes. <laughs> it was basically, so you know, the net result was uh, Lowe saying, well, and we, the way he got out was saying, well, they're just forecasts. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, Michael have followed up. I'm sure he would have said, so you're forecasting a technical recession. Yeah. Um, but yes, look, that, and that's, but that was the reality. So it was, it was important. Yeah. The, the, can we, the, can we dig okay. into that? What, oh, please. What, what, why, why is it necessary? Well, is it a bad thing? A good thing? What, what, what kind of thing is it <laughs> if GDP is growing, yeah. but GDP per capita is shrinking? So we are going to talk about population, hopefully a little bit later, uh, but we'll do this bit now. Um <clears throat> You know the answer to this, of course. You are you are asking the uh, the Dorothy Dixon question. Like, give me a chance to answer it. So, thank you, and then I will uh, let you jump in as well. Yep. This is one of the great um, sleights of hand of of governments in Australia, and as I want to do, this is not a party political thing. They're both as useless as each other on this one. They, when you hear economic data reported, we hear the economy grew at X percent, or the economy is this big, or whatever else it is, and Here's the here's here's how I'll draw this example, Andrew. If uh, if you said, oh, the uh, the entire payroll of strawmen.com has gone up by five percent, like oh good, oh good, wages are growing, that's great. And you look at your own pay and go, but I didn't get any of that. Yeah, but the whole payroll's up. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I didn't get any more money. Yeah, but the payroll's up. The governments do the same with economic growth, where they because, say, oh, the because economy- we hired more people, in other words. Right, right. Or maybe someone else got the money, you didn't. Yeah. So it's, yeah. You know, it, it, it matters. Um, but yes, in that case, where that's the best analogy for the, for the economy, which is uh, economic growth might be 2%. Now, if you've got 3% more people in the country, now we don't always get our share of this, by the way. It's a bit like it's a bit like owning shares in a company. You don't get all of the profits. Sometimes the profits are retained, but the company is more valuable over time. 
when share price goes, and we talk about, speaking of analogies, this is the case when companies uh, issue new shares. Mm. You know, the, the, the net profit might be growing, but if they've doubled, yeah, we're talking about the pizza, but if you double the share mm. count and, and, price, and profit's up 5%, but there's twice as many shares, well, guess what? Your share of that has gone down dramatically. Mm-hmm. Now, it's never that, never that big a deal with the economy, but if the economy grows at 2%, but population grows at 3%, guess what? Your slice of the pie decreased. Mm. And generally speaking, we say a recession is when the economy decreases. Now, the economy per person, which is really all that matters, right? Because if you've mm. got 10 people in Australia or 100 people or 1,000 people or a million people, what matters is that the, 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 the share that we all get or the value that's being created on our behalf is probably a better way to put it because we don't get the mm. share. Uh, but the value that's being created on, on our collective behalf should be at least as good as the growth in the population. That way, we all are slightly better off. If you've got population growing faster than economic growth, we're all slightly worse off individually because yeah. we've added more people but haven't actually created additional wealth to cover the growth in the number of people. I mean, it's some, you know, go on. We just, just think about it easily. There's, there's two, country A, country B, both have $100 billion in GDP. One country has 10 million people. The other one has 200 million people. And we, which one do you want to live in? Right, exactly. <laughs> Which is a richer country. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and again, we, you know, we we absolutely should be talking about him. And I got I got smashed on Twitter yesterday. Um, we should absolutely talk about the distribution of that wealth, right? That's really, really important. And we yeah. should make sure, you know, it's, if GDP per person is growing, but it's all going to the the plutocrats and the autocrats and the technocrats and other crats, um, then you know it, it, it's it's useless, right? If if the economy is growing or shrinking. It doesn't matter if I'm not getting anything extra out of it, if it's all going somewhere else. So distribution absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. But the better starting point is fixed distribution in a growing economy when we're all at least theoretically getting a bigger share. Because if, if you've got a smaller pie and the same number of people or a slightly bigger pie, but even more people on top of that, we know we're all getting a little bit less. And that's, that's the story, right? That, that's why this matters and, and why a per capita number matters a whole lot more. Um, there are some things that do make sense <laughs> me, on a... On a total population basis, there are some scale benefits of having a larger population. Uh, those who are worried about <coughs> defence would suggest we should have a bigger population. Uh, there are benefits from migration as well. So we need to be a little bit careful about... The, the, I had this conversation on Twitter as well recently, mate, and um, so we're going to get... We'll go into it now. But population is a really, really fraught topic, right? Because you end up with xenophobic knuckleheads and racists who will use uh, population size as an excuse to keep out people they don't like and, mm-hmm. and cultures and colors they don't like. And so it gets really, really, really dangerous. And so I've, I've, I've tried to be really careful on Twitter. I'm trying to be really careful here not to talk about who those people are uh, or where they come from because I don't personally care as long as they are appropriate migrants for our country. What I, what I care about is the size of the population relative to, as you just talked about, the economy, for example. There's other issues as well. And it doesn't seem to me that by shoehorning more and more people in for the sake of it, so the governments can say, governments plural can say, look, we've grown the economy. It's like, well, yeah, but you kind of did it by, you know, having more and more people crash the party. Um, you know, they're, they're invited in. It's not quite crashing. We've, we've invited more people to the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't increased the size of the punch bowl, right? So there's, all, there's less punch for the rest of us. That, that is the fundamental challenge when it comes to economic growth, when it comes to the per capita measurements. It is... It is not economic illiteracy because they know full well what they're doing. It is it is literally sleight of hand to not focus on GDP per capita. Now, mm-hmm. if you're being a little more cynical, you might suggest, and you and I are investors and we're business people and we like companies that make profit. If you're being a little more cynical, you might suggest 
that, oh, let's pick on Woolies for the fun of it. Woolies doesn't really care about GDP per capita. They just want more people in the shops. Mm-hmm. So they like population growth. Um, you know, I'm sure uh, News Corp would like more people available to read their papers in any given city. I'm sure that ANZ Bank would be more than happy with more people who can have more bank accounts and more loans. So there are very, very significant vested interests in big Australia, which comes down to how big is my market, right? We all like large markets for our companies. How do you get the big market? Large, large and growing. But, right? <clears throat> yeah. So, so yeah. how do you do that? Well, you continue to funnel people into the country. <laughs> Look at that. Mm. I've created a large and growing market. Uh, yeah. And so we should actually talk about, I mean, we don't do this. You shouldn't necessarily do this per company, but if Woolies are growing sales at 2%, population growing at 2.5%, their sales per capita have fallen too, which doesn't mm. really matter that much. And if you're a tiny company, it doesn't matter at all. Well, they're obviously losing market worth, share. Right? It's, worth, it's yeah. worth keeping in mind when you look at those numbers, particularly for those really big, you know, the Transurbans or the, the Woolies, the, the Coles, the businesses that have almost the entire market, particularly together, combined, mm-hmm. looking at the growth kind of matters there as well. I'm, I'm for a big Australia, I've got to Are say. You? Yeah, but okay. I'm, also, I'm also for doing it intelligently. So I think <laughs> just opening up, opening up the doors and uh, allowing more people in than we have the infrastructural capacity to adequately <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, look after, I think that's a mistake. And I think we're going yeah. way too fast. And I think, talk about housing, right? I think that's, that's a big part yes. of the problem Huge. there as well. Huge. Um, although I, I do, I did a side note, I do sometimes struggle at the, the rationale. People will say, oh, housing will be fine because we're going to have heaps of immigrants. But when you look at the sort of the, the intake, you know, there's a lot of sort of yeah. nurses, uh, laborers, chefs, fruit pickers, you know, just, I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily the kind of people who are picking up $3 million in a Western Sydney mm-hmm. houses, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, um, I, anyway, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a secondary point. I actually think it's a huge, speaking of analogies and mm. uh, to companies, <laughs> I think Australia Incorporated has yeah. a massive competitive advantage mm. because of the stability of our political system, mm-hmm. our climate, our safety, our, our infrastructure, <laughs> our social services. It's a great mm-hmm. place to live. It's probably one of the best places to live. I, sh- I should say it is the best place to live before people run me out of the country. But <laughs> but objectively speaking on the data, like this is like, you know, it, it's easily in the top five places around the world I think I think I think you want to live Mm. so wow that's pretty cool so maybe we should uh maybe we should be like bringing in people that have been educated on other people's money uh you know what I mean like the really highly skilled but maybe we should be attracting whole kinds of industries here uh you you look at America is such a great example of this as well and you look at all of the value that's been created in corporate America over there. I read a stat once. It was sort of like I think 30% were born overseas or mm. parents who mm. were born overseas. Mm. You know, so it's like it, it can be an incredible advantage to, a, to, a, to attract very capable people to, to our country. And we're all richer as a result Huge. of it, right? Yep, it's absolutely. like we're, we're, we're a fan. But- we've got the pick, mate. We've literally got the pick. Are you, where else are you going to go, yeah, right? Like yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean- if I was, if I was, I don't name people in a company. It was somewhere else and looking at a company like, yeah. compared to America, I know, <laughs> come I know. here in a heartbeat, right? right. right? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so I'm all for it. I think, I think we, we've, we've got, a, a, we could really make a lot out of that. It's mm. just that you just can't do it hell for lever without any sort of planning in place. Yeah. It requires a lot of planning around housing, around infrastructure and schooling and everything like that. And we don't, we don't tend to do that very well. I am going to ask you a question, uh, not, to, not to pick on you, but I am curious. What's the, and I, I, by the way, this is a bit without notice. So uh, I am not a fan of Big Australia for, any, for its own sake. 
Um, I don't. Again, and back to the back to the per capita thing. If we had a big Australia and everyone's the same per capita, there's twice as many of us. Is there is there any particular advantage? I'm I'm genuinely not sure that I see a reason why we need to be big per se. I'm not saying we need no migration. I'm a big fan of migration. I'm a big fan of well-targeted migration. You just talked exactly about that. Mm-hmm. And at a moderate level, for a whole lot of different reasons, I've had people on, on Twitter saying to me, the, you know, the, the extreme version of why, why, why any migration at all? I'm like, well, we have probably have some, some moral obligation to refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, there are people with skills yeah, out there sure. who make us a better country. There are some moderate, very, very modest, I think, scale benefits, but on a on a on a per on a per uh, person basis or per literally per capita, um, you know, am I a fan of a big house? <laughs> Do I want more people in my house? No, because I'm comfortable with the size and shape and whatever I've got. I'm not sure there's a there's a burning platform for. I'm not saying we should be smaller either, by the way. But what, what's the, what's your view of why? Big Australia is better for us, or, or let's, let's pick. I don't know what numbers mm-hmm. you think big is, but let's say there's let's say Big Australia is fifty million versus today's mm-hmm. twenty is it twenty seven million, twenty eight, mm-hmm. um, something like that. Well, I'm I'm not sure. I I have been convinced that bigger is better. We're kind of conditioned to think immigration is good, and I agree. And we abs- I I'm one. Let me say just really clearly, one million percent. This is not about any sort of fig leaf for xenophobia or racism or mm-hmm. anything else. It's just literally how is you know. I guess my so let me before I ask you the question, I'll give you my view. That way you you can rail against something. My general my general take is this: I think the it is it seems clear to me that we don't have the to your point um, capacity for housing particularly, and frankly, in an inflationary environment, adding more demand to any of these things strikes me as a little bit bananas. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that we have the planning done correctly. And I'm not convinced that we have an environment on the eastern seaboard in particular, but right around the country. Um, it wasn't that long ago we had dams in Sydney that were, you know, running low and frankly running out in parts of regional Australia. People say, I'll send them to the bush. It's like, well, their dams were kind of empty too. Like, you know, we've got, we got big issues and we can do different things differently. I just kind of figure right now, you bring people in when you're kind of really comfortable that you can do it well. And I just have yes. no confidence at all that we need the people in, the, in, in their own sake. But on top of that, just that there's any really, other, other than because I'm a capitalist, and I want more people to buy the, the stuff of my companies, you know, um, I see no reason why big is necessarily any better than current, for example. And again, I'm not saying it should just be current, I'm not saying we should lock the mm. doors. I'm just saying uh, more for its own sake feels like something that we say, but I mean, think about it more. I, I was probably in that camp, I don't know, maybe only, only six months ago, 12 months ago. Um, but the more I think about it, I'm like, no, those those benefits of bigness don't seem obvious to me. And the downsides, I, I, I am worried about our environment. I'm worried about the ability to supply water, the infrastructure. Everything's like sewerage. If you speak to people who know this stuff, um, the, 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 literally the, the things like the sewerage pipes we have in, in the ground aren't built to cater for high density living in some areas, right? Like it's literally, if we're not at capacity, it's not that far away. And it, I don't know, it just, it feels like we're running headlong into the unknown Mm. uh, for reasons that don't seem clear to me. I mean, yeah, it's all about execution. I agree with, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, I guess there's, there's probably a, it's the right term, a geopolitical angle to it. Like the, you, the places that have more, more, it's, it's not Mm. black and white, but more transparent, open liberal democracies. Yeah. Um, open free markets. These are kind of the places, like if you look at mm. the, the globe as a whole, I mean, where are the places that you want to see prosper and grow and get bigger and more influential? 
I think in those places, right? It doesn't have to be Australia. I'm not trying to be too, too parochial, but mm, mm. but as opposed to a um, uh, uh, aggressively growing um, authoritarian regime, mm. <laughs> you know, there's sort of like there's, there's going to be a there's going to be a power imbalance at some point. I'd I'd rather I'd rather the sort of the strength and resources sort of go to those the good guys. <laughs> that's that's probably a really like simplistic way to sort of look at it. Um, but I also think I'm a technologist as well, right? I just right. have huge optimism when it comes to that. And I look mm. at Australia, we, we have such a massive landmass. And I, I know it sort of sounds really highfalutin and the rest of it, but I, I, I don't think it's that difficult to imagine a world. And I'm speaking over the span of decades, if not centuries here, where we just green the deserts. You know? <laughs> we, have, we become an energy super yeah. uh, powerhouse. Yeah. With all the renewable blessings that that we have, you yeah. know, we yeah. we we make strides on desalination. Again, we literally make the deserts bloom. We made Canberra out of nothing, right? Mm. What a great mm. city! One of the best mm. cities to live in, right? And yeah. and <laughs> some people might agree, but it's a pretty good place, right? <laughs> I, I was in Canberra on the weekend. I really like Canberra. I Canberra's that. great, right? But I mean, we we can do this kind of stuff. There's a lot mm. of space out there, and there are definite advantages. I mean, this is one of the real strengths of, of America and why it's risen yeah. to dominance. Was just an incredible natural abundance of of resources <laughs> that was yeah. able to support so many people and under a system that not while not perfect was certainly mm. better than a lot that were going around at the time yeah. that's what gave them global dominance mm. you know and um so yeah I, I i think that in a targeted sensible smart way mm. we could make australia incorporated a much more influential Oh, they'd just be a, a positive drive for humanity if done well. I mean, it's, again, okay. it's all in execution, right? So yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's totally, easy, totally. easy to make those big grand yeah. statements, but uh, yeah. I think, I think we can both agree that uh, making sure you, you also open the, open the gates when, when things are ready. It's like, let's, let's, let's build the things and say, great, we've got room for some more people. Come in. As opposed to come in and we'll see if we can work it out. But we'll if too many of you, then we're screwed, right? It's like, I, I, I you know, there, there is some, there is some element of like you know trusting ourselves, but equally, I don't know. I'm an optimist generally, as you well know, our listeners well know. I, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Taking taking six hundred six hundred thousand people over the next two years, and but even even half that, even a quarter of that, you know, numbers wise, until we know that we have the. Again, if this was Australia Inc. To your point, if we if you and I ran Australia Inc. Or was Australia was the family the family farm, right? And we said, well, how many, how many, I don't want to, don't want to, I don't want to necessarily uh, make the analogy with, with people and, and animals, but you know, you'd say, right, well, how, how many, how many sheep can we, can we put in this paddock and keep the, you know, with, with enough fodder to, to do well, not degrade the soil or like, you know, if you, if you were properly going to do, you know, sustainable uh, regenerative farming, you'd say, here's what we need to do to make this work. Mm. Uh, you wouldn't say, well, let's shove more in, shove more in. If, if it's too many, I'm sure we'll find a solution for it. And I just, I just, it's really, honestly, the population policy feels like it's, it isn't one. It's just, hey, let's just keep the economic growth story going because it'd be oh, you're embarrassing right. if we had a recession. You know? As I said, all in execution. It's just not yeah. thought out. There's no long-term thinking. It's an absolute dog's breakfast. You're right. You're right. Just the potential, I think, is, is there. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's go to, to something you mentioned before as well. We talked about uh, rent being a, or housing being a big contributor to CPI. The other one is energy, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of transport and heating, cooling, household you know power. Uh, OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, uh, the world's largest cartel, something that would be illegal anywhere else if it was inside a country's borders, but because we need the oil, we're happy to kind of just turn a blind eye or not even that, just kind of go, yeah, it is what it is, let's buy their oil. Um, they cut back production. They announced it on Sunday, I think it was. 
um, over to Monday morning our time. And uh, yeah, they're going to cut back production to try to get the oil price back up. Mm. And I have to say, for all of the things that we've seen inflation-wise in the last 12 months, oil's actually been one of the bright spots. It doesn't feel like that at the pump. But if you look at the price of oil over 12 months, it's been on this, again, it's always bumpy, but a pretty clear downward trajectory right and then year on year yeah that, that 12 months is, these, that's from the peak of ukraine though as well so it's right. be careful with the base effect but yes i hear what you're but, saying. but my point is when, when you measure inflation that's what we do we always measure last year's price and say mm. is the price higher or lower than last year so mm. as we record inflation we've been able to say to your point there's a reason why it was too high but the fact that it's coming back down was taking meaningful pressure or we started to take meaningful pressure off inflation that's part of i think the december january february monthly inflation rates we've seen Part of that is absolutely the fact that energy prices and oil prices have come down year on year. Still too high, and you're mm. right about the base effect, but when we measure inflation, we don't say, well, let's ignore that. Well, we do some of it. We don't, we don't do it on a case-by-case basis of, that was always too low, let's load it out. That's always too high. Uh, the measured, recorded, reported inflation rate benefit was benefiting meaningfully from oil coming down. This has the potential to turn that around. It does, and there's... Uh, I've got to be careful. It, it, it feels like there's a... <laughs> Everyone's now listening slightly, slightly close to the speaker right now. Got to be careful. It's like, oh, Andrew's going to say <laughs> something go. good. <laughs> I just don't know. There's a lot of, it's, I mean, it's particularly these days, there's just so much misinformation around. But yes, there is. There's a, I've been reading a bit of stuff that's sort of like the geopolitical angle on this. Mm-hmm. So the US has effectively weaponized the dollar and Russia's pretty keen to get out of that. There's more and more countries negotiating in, in buying oil directly with their own currency. So with yuan. Rubles, mm. for example, are so moving away from the petrodollar US sort of um, uh, system there. Mm, mm. The US, in response to the Ukraine, uh, Biden released huge amounts of what's called the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So it's yeah. this thing that's been in place since I think the end of World War II. So if ever there's a war or anything major happen, we've got we've just got some spare tanks of oil lying around in, in case we need it. Really, by the way. Really good idea to have that yeah, super kind smart. of exactly. Bag. I wish we, we did more like of an that island on the other side of the world where you could, you know, make sure you had supply. We only got like fourteen days of supply or something on shore. It's like, guys, what, that's, that, uh, what, our strategic. We put our strategic reserves in America. I know like, what. It's not very smart, is it? What the hell? <laughs> I.e., it's not a strategic reserve anymore. Right? If, if things get real, the U.S. is going to use that, right? Yeah, I'm true, sorry. True. It's the most insane, stupid thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's, it's, been, it's, it's the lowest level I think it's been in decades and decades and decades. And Biden said uh, when it gets – I forget the exact price range, but whenever it gets to I think 67, 70, something like that, we're going to start – uh, mm. uh, stockpiling again and, and build back up the reserve. Probably a good idea. Yes, correct. Interesting that he signaled the price of that and interesting that every time the oil price has gotten near that, mm. we've had some kind of <laughs> collusive <laughs> action yeah, yeah. from... Now, let's... Again, it's not... They're, they're, they're frenemies when it comes to uh, the Middle East and, and the US, right? Yeah, yeah. And again, we could get into the fascinating history of the petrodollar system and why and how that all evolved and mm. all of this kind of stuff. But there was sort of like a very sort of mutually convenient arrangement in settling everything with with US uh, dollars, and mm-hmm. that, and I think I think there's more of a um, desire from other parties that particularly mm-hmm. that don't align very strongly with the US that just are a bit nervous about that dependence and the fact that all of the money that they have could be taken away from them in an instant, yeah. and they're yeah. wanting to do do transactions in in other kinds of currencies. So. 
the, the amount, in fact, global settlement that's happening in US dollars has mm. actually been on a pretty slow decline. Now, I'm not one to sort of jump and say the US is losing its its global reserve status or anything like that. I don't think yep. it's going to be very difficult to disrupt that in I particular. Yep. But I do just make the observation that there are hyper-rational economic agents that we like to envisage, but but in the real world, there are other factors that may be influencing the policy decisions and actions of, of certain governments and institutions. Is that, can I take my tinfoil hat off now? Or is, no, is that, I, I'm, I'm, wondering what, I'm wondering what to do with that. I don't know, I don't know exactly what to do with that. I, well, um, uh, just the observation yeah. though. I mean, again, yeah. it's, it's sort of, it, 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 I mean, if you're Putin, right? Like mm. you want to stoke discontent at home. And what's the best way to do that? It's making Americans having to pay a lot more for their petrol. And this guy kind of, it's sort of, it, 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 I can see it fitting a particular agenda for yeah. particular actors. That's, that's probably, probably absolutely true. Uh, the problem for us, of course, is that we end up just as we as we tend to, uh, where the the tail is being wagged by the dog. So the, our our imported oil price is what it's going to be uh, based on whatever whatever deliberate or otherwise actions are being taken overseas, right? So the, the challenge for us is how do you how do you manage that system? And by the way, it works well sometimes and terrible other times. It's also worth saying for those who don't necessarily know the the OPEC story, they reckon, and I say they reckon, generally speaking, uh, it's accepted that the cost of getting a barrel of oil out of the ground in the Middle East is probably in the teens of dollars a barrel. Yeah. And they're selling it for currently 80-ish dollars a barrel. Probably, mm-hmm. this is all US dollars, but you know it's all relative anyway. Uh, yeah. Maybe up towards $100 by the time they constrain supply. The profit margin on this are phenomenal. That's why OPEC is so dramatically useful for them mm-hmm. and so awful for us from that perspective. Uh, yeah. there, there are, by the way, also, speaking of... Um, I won't put the tinfoil hat on. I'll just say the other side of that is also things like the environmental cost, right? Imagine how much oil we would use if it was twenty-five dollars a barrel. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there there are some there are some benefits uh, to, uh, to to having uh, that sort of cartel in place. It's costing us more than it would otherwise, but that's not always a bad thing. I mean, we've got petrol tax and other things. Maybe they would just go up to to cover the difference. But it's uh, it's just it's worth thinking about the implications, positive and negative. Um, yes. of that sort of stuff. And it is also, look, I, I don't like commodity companies generally. I like oil least for exactly that reason. <laughs> At least with gold or something else, copper, they're generally speaking freer markets. There is no, well, not, I just, I, there probably is some sort of cartel behavior from time mm. to time, but there's no, there's no organized big cartel behavior. The price generally reflects supply and demand, which is hard enough anyway to mm. try and speculate when you're an investor. That's why I don't buy commodity companies. But you, you take that overlay on oil and then say, and at any point in time, Half a dozen or a dozen, you know, ministers of energy ministers in, in the Middle East and a couple other countries. OPEC Plus apparently includes Russia and Venezuela and stuff. So it depends who's making what decisions. But you know, something close to what is it half, two thirds of the world's oil supply? Mm. Uh, the price is effectively artificially set by some bureaucrats who want more money in the in the it's, government coffers. It's mad. It's madness. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think this is one of the under. Uh, utilized arguments in favor of renewables. Let, let's let's yeah. hi- hypothesize a world in which there's just no such thing as climate change. This is not an issue, right? It's, yeah. it's not, yeah. not a factor. I would argue, especially the way the cost curves are going, if I can produce energy cheaper and massively reduce my dependence on yeah, right. overseas yeah. said yeah. cartel, yeah. Yeah. wouldn't I do it? I mean, gonna, doesn't that yeah. just seem like the easiest, like we, be, we, we get cheaper <laughs> energy and we are more independent it just seems like that's a pretty that's pretty attractive mix I, I, I do I do blanch a little at the whole we do it overseas and foreign because people get into that kind of argument um, which I don't love it's got, can be a bit of a not not from you but it can be a bit of a fig leaf for xenophobia as well so I don't really oh, I'm just coming at it purely from a 
security rational standpoint. You're 100 right. You're 100 right. Even if you and I get along, there's no there's no no xenophobia element here. But if I get all my power from you, and it's someone says actually I can set some stuff up for you, you'll never need to rely on Scott again, and you'll pay less. Like yeah, yeah, I'm listening. Come on, yeah, absolutely. Why would not? Why would I not? Exactly. You give yourself extra independence. Why wouldn't you take it? I completely agree with you. I just want to make that point because people do that with housing as well. I'm blame you know all these Chinese buyers and like so if if Gina or Twiggy went and bought a hundred thousand houses you wouldn't care but if if you know fifty thousand Chinese do it's a problem so yeah it's uh, well uh, I don't know I'm confused now I can't have that argument anymore it just becomes yeah. that straight out racist you know the Chinese are terrible people therefore if they're buying the houses a problem but if you know if the same houses are bought by by Twiggy or Gina we're not saying we're not saying vacant houses we're not saying landlords we're saying Chinese buyers which is pretty much code oh, it's for, smacks of xenophobia yeah, right it's, it's, it's and, terrible and, and racism straight out so yeah. uh, yes that, I just want that's why just when we say overseas I just want to make it very clear it's not about the Middle East specifically it could be the New Zealanders for all we care or the Poms or the Yanks or whoever, sure. anyone else you know sure. uh, those countries where we're usually considered to be friendly with and all that kind of stuff your point is absolutely valid which is why would you why would you do that why would you say yeah you can control as you say strategic petroleum reserves and again even even no one's controlling the price controlling the supply yeah. I mean, you know, if we think about some, again, this is where defense, how we go, we got to go over here. This is why defense policy is so hard, right? Because every dollar spent on defense is wasted until it's needed. Mm-hmm. You know, we were woefully underprepared for World War II. That's why we had bloody conscripts and militia go to, to PNG, right? Because we had no one else, there, was, there wasn't a big enough army. So you've got to make those sort of sometimes, you don't want to go too far, but but the allowing for that stuff to happen. So to your point, if we've only got two weeks of petrol <laughs> onshore you kind of think well let's just hope nothing goes wrong because if there's a way to blockade supply at some point if someone decides in some hopefully never ever happening future war or conflict um you'd like to think we have the ability to kind of power ourselves without having to rely by the way, on ships by the way, arriving in, in port that's a killer blow right if yeah, you totally. disrupt a, a nation's oh, energy yeah. source that's yep. it they yep. don't worry about attacking the factories that are making the tanks or anything like that. That's all right. you have to do and you are instantly winning, right? Correct, like it's, correct. It is the obvious target. And you, and you don't have to believe it's even likely. You just have to say, if your job was, you know, we've forgotten a lot, mate. This, again, let's go further out in the rant. We've forgotten about the precautionary principle. Yeah. You know, take COVID, right? No PPE in storehouses or not enough. Because, mm. you know, it's probably not going to happen. Except when it does, oh yeah, there's that. There are varroa mites, which are little bloody bugs destroying beehives in Australia, right? Mm. Because we stopped funding sniffer dogs seven years ago, because yeah. we just didn't think it was worth it. Yeah. And I just, I, for the life of me, we're, we're, for a country so wealthy we, as ours, we can afford to take all the precautions in the world and 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 twice as many as that, and yeah. say, wouldn't it be terrible if varroa mite got onto our island? We have an island. <laughs> we have a natural quarantine here. Uh, you know, we can have a, a honeybee industry or we could just go with light on the testing stuff and if the mic gets here, we'll never get rid of it. So mm-hmm. let's just go light on the testing. And it's, yeah. it blows my mind. I, just, I will never understand it. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, right? You can you can imagine the bureaucrat in charge of this decision was just like, oh. what's all this money spent on sniffer dogs? <laughs> what for? It stops all these nasty things getting in. Yeah, but yeah. we've never had anything come in. Yeah, we, so we don't need it. Like the, the, the logic is like, yeah, that's why nothing has come in. You know, it's, yeah. The worst thing is, you know, we say all this money. It was probably millions, probably not even tens of millions of dollars a year. Like nothing. This is this is a rounding error on a rounding error on a rounding error of the national budget. And someone's gone, no, let's not do it. Let, let's, yeah. We'll save a bit of money there. So what, what are you people mad? This is literally a one-time. You know, like it's yeah. you got to be on the on the defensive the entire time because as soon as it's here, it's here. You know, can't get rid of cane toads and rabbits. Ah uh, no, we'll get we'll take a chance with Varroa mite. It's like yeah. did, did we learn nothing? It's a little bit. It's a little oh. bit crazy. 
Drives a little bit crazy. Oh, mate, hey, do you want to you know, just like just go, go further down the rabbit hole on, on before? Because <laughs> it just does my head in. I don't know if I have a good answer. I'm, I'm keen to just sort of ask your thoughts. Is that oh, no. so? So the US, um, uh, I mean, oil, oil is sold predominantly in, in US dollars. Yep. Yep. So the Saudis, you know, OPEC, that's what they get. Yep. What do they do with that money? Now they've got US dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they do with it? So what they do with it, they buy US treasuries, they buy US assets. Yeah. And so they actually, th- this is why it's such an effective system to be the reserve mm-hmm. currency mm-hmm. of the world. It's, it's sort of like everyone has to sort of take your money and then when they've got it, it's like, uh, I guess we'll give it back to you. <laughs> we'll, loan, we'll loan it back to you, right? Yeah. yeah and that, that's yeah. how it, it kind of, it's really, really weird how all of that sort of interplays together. Yeah. And uh, it, it's something that the US has to watch on, on longer timeframes because the problem that they're having with the way that they've sort of managed things is that, you know, forget about bond prices, just, just absolute nominal terms and that with the rates of inflation that are sort of, around and being spoken of why mm. these people who are recycling dollars back into us debt are losing massively on this and it's like but then what do they do with it where else do they go you know yeah, it's yeah. sort of it's a real conundrum and this is why you have it was part of a an insight into why when you have these it's the butterfly effect right mm-hmm. so some weird sort of thing happens in some international market here and then before you know it a local school's pension fund <laughs> yeah, is blown up. I'm like, right. how the hell did that happen? That's yeah, kind of the yeah, stuff as, as, to, yeah. as to, to how it all happened. I don't know what my point or my question is there, but it's just, <laughs> I, I, can, I can see it purely just from a game theoretical standpoint, yeah. nothing to do with, yeah. you know, anything else other than we talk about Australia Incorporated, Saudi Incorporated is now going, we are massive, we have massive counterparty risk yes, on, yes. On, on, a, on a massive con- uh, customer concentration here. All right. <laughs> Maybe some diversification, not, a, yeah. not an entirely bad idea. You know? So it's, it, And these just have disease, such right? profound, is, yeah, profound yeah. big impacts over the long term. It's going to be a fascinating century. It will. I, um, and I, I, the only thing I would say, I, I'll add to this, actually, let's go to a, Okay, let me tangent away, segue away as we go. Segue way away as we go. Um, saw the, a bloody Wall Street Journal, I think it was, article during the week. And it was, which jobs are going to be impacted by chat GPT and AI? And on one hand, it's like, well, okay, fair question. On the other hand, just to your point about this fascinating century, if, can you imagine the headlines in 1899? You know, yeah. what's going to happen? Oh, all these, all these farm jobs. Farming is, you know, 55% of the economy. By the end of the decade, end of the century, it's going to be only 5%. Oh, my God, all these jobs lost. How terrible is this technology? Blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And you look forward 100 years and go, oh, so it turns out we just kind of got wealthier and, and productivity worked and we created more jobs and wealth and found other ways to spend our money and that spending of the money created the jobs because that's what happens. Um, I, just, I, I, find it, I find it interesting the... Um, you're right, it will be a fascinating century, but I also think we would have said the same thing at the end, beginning of last century, and we would have been right, um, because imagine 1900, right? No cars, no electricity, um, no telephony, no broadcast, radio, television, internet. I, 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 could, you, could you imagine someone in 1900 explaining to them how things would change at the end of the year? Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. It would this weird science yeah. fiction Star Trek novel. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be the same thing to this one. Like, we, we have I'm, not no so sure. I'm not oh, so sure. I'm not so sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm sure of the, the alternative either. I just okay. don't know. I think what, what was different is the, the Industrial Revolution mm. disrupted physical effort. So we were able to just be much stronger. You know? So rather than using a hoe, we could use a tractor. And rather than using a hammer, we could use a, a massive machine. You know, it just, mm. We got really good on all of that kind of stuff. And so humanity, particularly in the developed world, um, we all shifted to service 
jobs. We all shifted to desk jobs. Not not everyone, obviously, but that that was the big transition over those economies. The the question is is that now that we've invented intelligence, where where do we go? So 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 <laughs> I so I'm not I'm not as I'm not as I'm not as convinced. So not everyone can be a YouTube influencer. Not everyone's going to be <laughs> a chat GPT prompter or yeah, prompt, yeah. what are they called? Prompt engineers and stuff. I mean, they'll be, they, I agree with <laughs> you. They're they're cool. hard, yeah. Oh, yeah they're, it's a real thing. It's That's a real brilliant. thing. And, and it's, this, is, this is just getting started. So I agree yeah. with you that there will be, our kids will be doing jobs that we would have ever envisaged. It, funny, I heard the other day that when you ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? So there was an era where it was like, I want to be a fireman, I want to be an yeah. astronaut. Now it's like I want to be a YouTuber. My it's like the number one. says exactly that. It drives me banana. Right? Poor, like, it's, yeah, now, on. a lot of people can be engineers. A lot of people can be firemen. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone can be Kim Kardashian. <laughs> you know, so, so, so where there are exactly. new jobs, I do wonder as to yeah. the viability that we can support, you know, a thousand yeah. Kim Kardashians in Australia and, and that have, be, have economic viability. So... Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I think that's, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's interesting. I don't have any firm convictions on where it's going mm-hmm. other than I'm probably, whatever I guess will, will be wrong. I think, the other th- <laughs> I think the other thing that's interesting about it, there was a time when we were talking about AI and IT and all this stuff and we yeah. said, what you want to be is a creative because yeah. you'll be the best protected. I, you'll be the artist, you'll be the singer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- these these things that computers will never be able to do. Actually, as it turns out in this in yeah. this 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 latest AI revival, yeah. they're all doing uh, drawings and pictures yeah. and art yeah. and music. It's, it's actually, I think if you want to be protected from AI, go be a tradie, you know. Um, they, they will probably be, will be a hairdresser, you know. That, that, it's sort of like that's probably more AI-proof than, than a lawyer. Um, than an actuary, than a stockbroker, than a, you know, name name any sort of white collar kind of profession. I think they're the ones that are just going to be disrupted. And it's not it's not that they go away. There's no humans there. It's just that mm. one human can now do the job of a hundred. And yeah. so that's yeah. the, I'm I'm I think it's going to be interesting. I don't, yeah I I could be I could be completely blindsided by this right I just. I, we, we are, at no point in history have we, at any point, you know, think, think about the, you know, the four-hour, well, four-hour work week's that bloody book, but the idea was supposed to all work a day a week because we're going to have robots to do the jobs for us, right? So what did we do? We just invented more jobs. Like, you know, we, we found new ways to spend money. We have more leisure time. We do different things. Things cost different amounts. We're prepared to spend more money on some of those things. I, I, I don't... Short, short of a Star Trek world where everything can be done in a replicator and I mean, someone's going to do that, I suppose, at some level... Um, but I, I think we would have absolutely looked at the coming industrial revolution or not even, I mean, I guess it rolled on for years, I suppose. But I mean, I think like 1910, right? Post, way post industrial revolution proper, although I suppose it's still going. Um, if you talked about, you know, the, the, the hollowing out of farm jobs and all that would be, and what could people possibly do because they're not, you know, they're, they're not doing that. And, you know, when all, the, when all the food we need is done by machines of people, well, what, what jobs could they have? I mean, how, how could that possibly be? You know, it's, it's almost that thing about futurism. The, the whole point mm. is we don't, we can't know, we don't know because, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's impossible to know how those things will roll out in, in future. Um, yeah. So I'm, 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 I wouldn't, I, I don't, I'm not, I haven't done a hike. Well, probably, I have a moderately high conviction that, we will, funnily enough, find a way to still spend our money and spend our money on things, and those things will be produced by people, and that's kind of how it'll work. Not not people, you know, 
farm food is still produced by people to some degree. There's still people involved, but those people who aren't doing that are doing other things. I, I just, I find it hard to believe the things that we do will stop because we say computers can do it all for us and therefore we've got nothing left to do. I would, I would bet against that in the next 50 years. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's just so hard because it's moving so damn fast, you know? Mm-hmm. It was that not like not that long ago we were just wowed by Chat GPT and then GPT four came out it was like a thousand times better. I was like, wow, that was six months. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, and I now know. GPT four is 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 working on uh, ways to make better AI. I just it's it so good. What here's a fascinating thing. So when mm. usually when there are a set inside group of uh, let's call them technologists who are really across a technology, the frustration is is that the general public doesn't get it or misunderstands it. And it's like nuclear is a good example here, right? There's a lot of people, if you really dig into it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation that's sort of out there. It's, it's actually a, a pretty safe, reliable form of uh, energy. It's got a lot of advantages, but the, 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 the public doesn't, the, the public's fears, while not unfounded, may be exaggerated. I guess at least, this is at least what a, uh, someone who knows it in, uh, intimately well, I, I think would probably say. Flip that around with AI. So it's all the insiders there going, actually, we're a little bit worried here. And everyone else is, oh, cool. I can sound like Kanye now and I can make a deep fake of Donald Trump. And it's like, it was something like 30% of um, AI researchers were polled sort of saying that there was a good chance humanity could end. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's this cool little oh, meme dear. tweet kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> Uh, we maybe should listen to these people. I mean, they know it better than we just, it's, it's just funny how it's flipped around sort of like that, that idea that it's actually this time it's the insiders that are saying, no, 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 slow down. Don't get carried away. You know, it's usually like, this is going to be great. It's going to change everything. Why doesn't anyone see it? And it's like, <laughs> no, now everyone's seeing everything, but we're telling you that you're not seeing. I was going to say, they're saying, yeah, they're saying exactly the same thing with a different tone of voice. Yeah. It's going to change everything. Why don't you see it? It's like, why I mean, don't you see it? <laughs> it's just, it's so, it, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, it's just new to the, to the yeah. world and the universe as, as we know it. It's, it's yeah. I hear what you're saying, but it's just gen. When you've got, when all of us have a Jarvis type personal assistant mm-hmm. who can also speak to 10, a thousand other different Jarvis assistants. Yeah. And this is basically anything that you can think or want to do, you mm-hmm. can do with you and your assistant. Like yeah. seriously, I could make a computer game this afternoon. I don't know anything about coding. Mm-hmm. Can you make something that looks a bit like Doom, but with better graphics? And then I just prompt, 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 iterate, iterate, iterate. And by four o'clock this afternoon, I've got something like Fortnite. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that, right. that is insane. And and that is and and that's not even too hubristic, I think, to say that. Maybe it's ten years out or something like mm-hmm. that. But now it's just sort of like oh, I'm I'm going to court for this. So I was like, well, get my lawyer bot to go through and do discovery <laughs> on a gazillion documents in an af- in, in an yeah. hour in an, in a minute yeah. in a second, right? And pre- present yeah. the best yeah. case. Yep. And then there's a, a computer, a computers arguing against computers in court against the yep. computer. It just it sounds so ridiculous, but it's yep. it's again the there's some I've been sort of deep diving a lot of AI podcasts lately, and again like the Sam Altman's, the people who own own run OpenAI, they're not just armchair experts. These people who are so mm-hmm. fundamental to the industry and the technology yes. and have made yeah. incredible breakthroughs. And they're just they they the things that they are saying is is just mind. Uh, just mind melting. Computers are a really good example too. So there's a lot of hype and excitement with what computers could do. Mm. And it turned out that it was, um, if anything, the pudding was under egged and the use cases were not even imagined. And I feel Mm. as though that's Mm. probably the case here in yes. in the sense that we're saying, oh, AI is going to do all this. Like you have no idea. Yeah, that's right. You have yeah. no idea, right? And I, mate, I think you're I think you're 100 right. I don't I don't agree with it at all. I just think if you said the same about a car 
and a and farm machinery and electricity and mm. like the things we kind of take for granted because we're old hat and we know how they played out. Um, and, and they played it in different ways because th- things happen. But I just think, you know, if you kind of, if you talked about the idea of mechanization, what if you could make a machine that could actually do something instead of having a horse and cart? Oh, maybe I could get to the next town, maybe. Turns out, turns out there's planes and then there's space shuttles and satellites and self-landing rockets within, within a, a century, right? And you go, bugger, that, well, I, got, I think you're 100% right. I guess I, I'm, just, I'm just making the argument that I'm not convinced that the presence of those things is destructive for labor because we could have made I, again think about the, the, the if you listed the, the 55 most important innovations of the 20th century you'd be like there was no way at the end of the 20th century any of us are still working like that's mm. it's over by then because we're gonna have robots are gonna do all this stuff for us and and the things we can imagine are the things that will do and and so they'll be done by robots and you know typists won't have a job and, and farm works won't have a job and accountant class won't have a job and you, no one will you know draw up general ledgers by hand anymore and that'll be gone and uh, you know uh, People who lug coal around to 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 you know uh, for lighting and heat, oh, they won't have jobs when there's air conditioning. And I just think, I, you know, again, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong about the excitement of the innovation and the unforecastability, which is now a new word, mm-hmm. of that. Um, I, I just I just think it's not one of those things we necessarily ends with, and therefore no one's working anymore. Well, I the just, thing I is, it's all it's all a mute point anyway, because the genie's out of the bottle. So we're going to find yeah, out. Exactly. We're, we're, we're going to find exactly. out one way or the other. I actually saw. Um, wife works in in education and um, all the kids are writing their essays with GPT now. So the reaction is, well, let's ban it. And I just think it's such oh, a no, stupid way of going about it. I, I get, I God. get the intent, but it's three like, years, mate. Three years max. They'll be like, okay, it's out. To your point, you need the bottle. It's out of the okay, bottle. Okay, it's stupid. Let's let's teach kids to use it well. Why don't That's, we just teach yeah. them how to use? It? It's like when the 100%. internet came out. It's like, oh, and everyone's yeah, going to yeah, use yeah. Wikipedia to write their essays. Well, now it's just, yeah, of course you do. Well, I'm going to go buy an encyclopedia, like a like an idiot, and read that. Like it's just, you know, it, <laughs> that's a good point. You've just got to, you've yeah, got to embrace. You've yes. got you. You can have your opinion on it, but it's yeah. you know it's like it's like people who are you know anti-trans or gay or whatever. It's like you don't have to like it, but it's just there, right? Like, sorry, is, Mark Latham, yeah, it just it exists, <laughs> whether you sorry, like Mark it or Lathen. not, you know. But not, and, and not this sorry, this is a weird weird analogy to draw, but it's I think no, I think it's a I mean yeah, it is a weird one, but it's, I, you're, you're right. This it, it is what it is. There is no you, you can't wish it away. Not that you should in that case, but you know it's it, it, railing against you know shouting at shouting at the clouds. Not, not, not a smart approach. It's, and it's, and for me, it's just the numbers thing. So mm-hmm. something like I read a stat a while ago that I think in the US, sort of like twenty percent of the workforce is involved in in transport in some way, shape, or form, moving and driving things around. So forget about all the other niche application use cases. It was just like we once we have self, we've actually already got self driving. The technology's here. It's more of a regulatory issue than anything else, and and um, those kinds of things. But, but it's sort of like. That is a that are tens of millions of people. Can they can they all become YouTube influencers or what? Where mm, it, it's mm. more, will I new jobs that. come out? Yes, they will. But yes, when yes. when you're having such rapid and mm, massive mm, disruption mm. across every workforce at once, like it's one thing mm. to sort of disrupt a bit of farming, and then we could all oh, we could all move to this. Like, like just where is there enough space? And opportunity for people to move into the new thing, new things. Yeah. And again, I'm not. I really got to be clear. I'm not arguing against you. I, I, yeah, I yeah, totally hear your point. Oh, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm not confident yeah. 
yes. that it would it would necessarily go that way. It could it could go. And in fact, the crazy thing is, it's like mm. it's actually not a bad thing, though, right? Like if we can, what we're talking about here ultimately is productivity, and productivity is just a mm. fancy way of saying getting more for less. Yes. And if we as a as a species can get more and more and more stuff for less and less and less and less, mm. we are all richer and richer and richer. Doesn't matter what the dollar terms are doing. In fact, correct. It's, correct. By the way, this technology is massively deflationary. Yes. So rock, you know, movable um, object meets unstoppable force seems to be coming in, in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. there. And just the massive deflationary effects of technology where I can now yes. do anything for a $25 a month subscription through open, right. open AI. Right. Yeah. Do, do you know what yeah. I mean? I just, I, I, yeah. I, I think it, it probably requires some, let's talk about hubristic, some restructure of society to some extent. The 40-hour yeah. work week where we all trundle off and do all of this kind of stuff. I just don't know if that's, going to work uh, at, at these kinds of scales with these kinds of technologies. I, I just don't, I just don't know. But, but then not, not a bad thing there, right? If we, if it, work should not be, should be more about, here's the thing, there's a lot, lot of studies that show when work is so fundamental to your identity. So once you sort of meet basic financial requirements, yeah. there's plenty of people who could retire tomorrow that continue yeah, to still correct. work. They tend to be the happiest people out there. There's a huge amount of meaning and value and self-worth mm-hmm. in working. So my hope is is that we all have the opportunity to, to to flourish and pursue things that really have meaning for us and for and help create value for other people, mm-hmm. um, and that there's more of a there's less of a I need to work to survive, but I need to work to be the best version of myself, and and yep, maybe yep. maybe that's the way things trend. I don't know. I've, I've gone so far off off. off. <laughs> No, it's it's really useful. Off the Mike, reservation at this point. No, no. What's what I love about what I love about the so I am we need to wrap this up. I'm super I'm super excited about the productivity stuff. We have at a, at a, at a standard of living basis. Uh, to your point, like we have to. There's two things you want to do. You want to grow the pie and you want to divide the pie as as fairly as reasonably as possible. And people disagree about how that is best done. Um, everyone from everyone should have same amount of everything the communists on one hand the free market on the other hand some the market will decide the people who work hardest and have, you know get the best share and i think they're probably both nuts there's probably some reality probably somewhere closer to the middle mm-hmm. um but the growing the pie thing we have really struggled for 15 20 years to improve productivity the the, the missing link i think I, I don't, i've never seen a single economist disagree so i'm pretty sure i'll say all economists agree or all serious economists agree is productivity gains you know, we talked about we talked about before we started the podcast, but not quite. But talking about you know the, the per person per capita, you know, economic growth. Um, we can all work harder, or we can and work smarter as a cliche. But the idea of using technology and and that's lowercase t, right? So everything from cars are technology, fax machine technology, typewriters are technology. But over time, we've found ways to improve the output per hour of work mm. to make us all wealthier as a country, improve our standard of living. That, that's why, you know, if, if, if it was all a question of just inflation of wages, inflation of, of prices, then we'd all be working just as hard and have one chicken, one cow and a tiny, you know, subsistence plot. Mm. We've actually been able to, as a society, find a way to turn that technology, for, and that's all really productivity is, it's applied technology, right, mm-hmm. into, into better outcomes. Um, I'm super excited about that, and frankly, the deflationary impact as well. We've talked a lot about what happened with inflation. Um, you know, now we've got to be careful. We don't throw too many people out of work because if it's deflation at the cost of people working and therefore livelihoods and the things you've just talked about, that's a massive issue. Um, and you know, meaning is important, right? People get meaning from being productive, not in the technological sense, but actually doing something that matters, right? The, the work that matters is is one of, as you say, on top of you know the the shelter and enough food. Work that matters is, is a key source of happiness, whatever yeah. you define that as. And I'm not sure that 
you know, I don't know. I, I do wonder what society looks like if we're all only working eight hours a week. You know, it, it, on one hand, there's this utopian, we've got so much leisure time, this is awesome. And then you go, well, what we do is just watch Kim Kardashian on Netflix reruns because we've got nothing else to do that's meaningful. I don't, yeah. I don't know where the right line is, right? I'm not yeah, we're all opioid addicts and we're right, just completely right. cut off and depressed and right. socially we, disconnected. We, and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually yeah. the, we, we won't get into this one. It's one of the, um, the arguments against universal basic income is actually that work is meaningful and paying people not to work is, if they don't want to work and, and they're happy not working is one thing, but um, a society where AI does everything and the rest of us kind of just bumble along. I, I'm right of the movie WALL-E, mate. You, you would have seen that Loved uh, it. in your yeah. time. Uh, it's just it's just such a great movie. But the like the people on the on the ship are just kind of just kind of, you know, sleepwalking through life, right? Because what do you yeah. do? Everything's yeah. done for you. There's nothing, there's literally nothing meaningful to do. I don't know. I don't know what, uh, I don't know where we end up, but- It's going to uh, be we, wild. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. That's probably, speaking of ending up, yeah. the best place to finish. I mean, that's, and that's just very quick. Final thought. That, that is what's Please. changing really fun. It, it is, it is yep. the pace of change. So we have, we have, mm. we look at it as in technology always gets better. We all have this opportunity, uh, expectation that our kids and our grandkids will have superior technology. Yeah. Um, than what we had. And we've got superior technology to what our grandparents mm. and our parents had. It's actually a very unique perspective in human history. Mm. You know, for the for 98% of our existence as a species, my great-great-great-grandfather and my great-great-great-grandson had the exact same life, <laughs> right? And then, and, yeah. then, and then things sort of, you know, we had the enlightenment, you know, we had sort of the industrial revolution. We had these things and it's just, it is, it is a J curve. And it's Howard Marks, oh, we've spoken about it before, wrote about it recently. It's just like these, everything is, is accelerating. That's causing the economic cycle to sort of accelerate as well. But it's just, whereas before, and the, the challenge from his, his argument was for as an investor, you could make an investment in the 60s in some uh, technology company like IBM or something like that. Mm. and think that I can have a pretty realistic view as to what the 10 years looks like and how that's going to, to sort of play out. That's getting harder and harder and harder for us to do as investors. Um, it, just, just because the, the acceleration across any kind of front that you tend to imagine is it just, it makes predictions less and less plausible, yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, totally. And so I just, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't know, if you ask me, you can't buy an ETF. You can't buy a managed fund. You've got to buy <laughs> yeah, a right. company. Yeah, can't yeah. be a conglomerate. Oh, come on. I can't be a conglomerate. Can't, yeah. yeah. Um, but you have yeah. to put your money away for 20 years. I don't know what I'd do. I mean, here's, here yeah. is, it, it, we, we talk about chat GPT and uh, what Microsoft is doing with Bing and the integration. Mm -hmm. There are people mm -hmm. seriously talking mm -hmm. about the end of Google's dominance in search yeah. because of this new thing. And just like that was unimaginable mm -hmm. to think. I mean, because mm -hmm. Google would probably would have been my choice if you yes. under, under that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that right. arrangement. That's right. Now it's just like, it's probably going to be a 14 year old in his mum's basement <laughs> that has some new use. Yeah. Because that's what, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what Larry Page and Sergey. So that's, how, know, that's how that all happens, right? That's yeah. how it all happens. Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and all as far back as you want to go. Yep. That's how technology happens. It's some of the new idea. That's my, I'm going to say that's my issue with. When I think about, this is way over time, think about technology companies generally, right? And you think about, you know, who's going to win the next round of innovation? And it's tempting to think, it's Google and Apple and Facebook because they've got the money and they've got the scale and they've got the smartest people and the most people working on yep. this. And they're Google aware of the problem to... too, so they're more inclined right, to right. acquire if anything looks as though it's, it's bubbling yes. up. But yeah, Bill, Bill Gates kind of creates a new category rather than beating yeah. the existing you know DOS players at their own game. I and mean, there was existing DOS, but you know, you know what I mean. Like the, the Windows, yeah. Windows is Windows brings innovation with it, and I think 
and they don't, I mean, who are the big technology companies? IBM, I guess, and maybe a couple others. You know, Cisco's and some of the switching right, right? hardware companies. Yeah. Those and so it's of- a brand new, and now it doesn't mean the others. So we, when we're talking about you know, who, who are the next tech titans, they may not be the existing ones, but the existing one's going to be undone by a better competitor. That's a harder one to work out because you know, Gates didn't undo anybody else with his. He literally invented a category, right? Yeah. Personal computers, not not solely and all that kind of stuff. But you know, and again, Apple with the with mobile devices and you know these guys kind of invented categories that didn't exist. And yes, they hurt radios. And but that's almost my point is you think about what are the new, what are the new innovations? And if you've got a whole lot of people massively incentivized, literally to incentivize to go and be at the forefront of that. Mm. That's a that's a big competitive advantage. You've got these businesses with massive amounts of money if they're smart enough, like Microsoft did with with ChatGPT. They've effectively mm. taken a stake in this thing, right? And gone, yep. we'll have that. Thank you very much. Um, now people are know, using Bing for the first time ever, right? Right. Well, I'm, is anyone actually doing it? Surely not. Uh, I've been playing around with it. It's pretty impressive. With Bing. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, because it's because it's it's got the AI assistant in it. It's, right. Okay. It's like pretty cool. Google, <laughs> give it a yeah. I mean, you know. It, you know who's been very quiet throughout this whole saga is um, Apple. Yes. Here's, here's, yeah. here's, my, here's my hot take for the next 12 oh, months. They've, they've got something big under wraps. And okay. the, the next, you know, it was sort of the iPhone and then it was the watch and, the, the, you know, talk about a headset. I, I think, I think I hey, they're going to do something really cool with AI okay. and, they, and they're going to get the user usability part right because that's what they do. Yeah, right, um, right, right. So you, and they, they tend to be, whereas like Elon will, yes. you know, announce an idea, they tend to sort of wait till it's cooked <laughs> yeah, before right. they do and it. Roll it out with a big announcement. And yeah, they've just been right. noticeably quiet and you, they've got a yeah. big R&D budget. And anyway, yeah. I just, I you know, I'm not even an Apple fanboy. I've got an Android phone, but I'm just saying, I'm yep. just saying this is the new front. And I, and I made the comment recently too that I think this is what we as investors should expect as the next um, fad yeah. theme on the markets. You know, remember, remember when every company went to SaaS in the cloud? It's still happening, by the way. Yeah. Um, now it'll be, oh, we're integrating AI. I, I reckon probably at least 10 to 15% of the companies we've spoken to recently have mentioned yeah. AI um, already. And I can see a world where it's just sort of like that becomes the new 1999, let's add .com mm-hmm. to our name kind yeah. of thing. Where every company, whether exactly. you're Woolies, whether yeah. you're the banks, that because because the application is so, you will watch this mm. theme r- just ripple through the market. We'll see all kinds of stupidity emerge out of that. Mm. But like yeah. any kind of bubbly kind of market activity, there'll be a good element of truth to support that. And some yeah. will absolutely win. Yeah. There'll just be a lot of people that ride the hype train in the meantime. It's funny too, mate. You think about, so this is, and this, I, I wonder whether the AI gets dominated by single players, a la Google, or whether it's more like the internet where everyone's using AI, but it's just AI generically. And yeah, I think that's the way I think about it. Right, because if you think, yeah. it, you say you think it's the latter? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, 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 open AI's mandate was really to sort of like make sure that everyone gets the technology. Yeah. yeah. They've open sourced the beta testing. It's, right. it's, it's, thank God they've done it this way, frankly. Mm. Um, you can imagine if this was being developed behind closed doors in right, some right. nefarious state, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I guess so my question is, is it a competitive advantage or is it just a, a business tool? Like the internet isn't a competitive advantage for anybody, right? No. Like it just isn't. I mean, there are some online- Well, we can all use it. Right, exactly, yeah. and and all companies can use it, but but the 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 access to the internet or the existence of the internet doesn't benefit one company over another. It sort of comes down to execution, right? There's no reason Woolies or Kogan or Amazon, I own the last two, can't individually or together win. It's it's best execution of that technology. The same as it was real estate with with shopping centers in the first place and all that kind of stuff. Like the AI may become just another way of making your business better for your customers. 
Yeah. Um, or it actually might bring a competitive advantage to certain businesses, so who can say? So search, for example, or I can imagine a situation where you've got um, finding relationships, right, between between data. Mm. That in itself has got to be an arms race, and I don't know whether, again, is it is it the internet or is it, you know, is it, is it Google? Uh, you know, the idea of who, who gets there first. We've got a couple of recommendations in our US service or ASX service, but for the US. Um, one's called Upstart, and it basically, I think it's Upstart, uh, it basically takes banking data when it comes to approving loans, right? And its, its key benefit is the algorithm, but also the fact that it pulls data from all the banks and then improves the algorithm so the banks can use it to, to write better loans, to not make loans that otherwise would be seen as good but are risky, or potentially make loans to more people who conventional banking would say, oh, these guys can't possibly pay it back. So, mm. Well, actually, data says these people who meet these criteria actually are good risks, or here's how you should price it. In that case, the, the uh, upside the business has more value because it has a bigger data set the other banks individually can't get to. So mm. the benefit of being the the outside middleman slash kind of uh, information provider, that's got more value than the individual companies can ever have because they don't have a data set big enough mm. and it's not public data. So there's something there and I don't know how this plays out, but I can imagine some combination of both in different use cases makes some sense. Oh, it's such a, look, this is why we've gone so over time because it's so fascinating. It, it is, it's a technology like the internet that just touches everything. And so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. When there is an AI podcast bot, we are both out of business, mate. But until then, will you come back on Sunday? Um, just to burst your bubble, there already is. Um, in the voice of Joe Rogan or whatever you want to do. They've, they're, they're, it was actually a few months ago, Joe, Joe Rogan interviewed Steve Jobs, uh, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, they're both oh, AI bots modeled, trained on, trained on their recordings. And I would challenge anyone to, to, to identify that as a fake. Right, and and it not it not just replicated the voice; it wrote the script, Mm-mm-mm. produced it, put it together. Like <laughs> it's here. It's not like imagine when it happens. It's here. Kind of. I was kind trying of. to wrap this up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna share one last thing with you, <laughs> only because Another it's thing. relevant to to uh, AI and, and chatbots. Um, I uh, <laughs> um, I I typed in who was Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool. And it turns out that I am a co-founder of Motley Fool Australia. I've written two Motley Fool books. Uh, I also <laughs> used to work for fund managers and banks, okay. none of which is even slightly true. <laughs> so I, all I'm, all I'm going to say is uh, we're not quite there yet. We're not no, quite there yet. We're not. So we're not. given that, will you join me on Sunday? I will, mate. I will. Talk to you soon. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.